Hate Movies is a free podcast. More than 140 episodes of casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles arguing about movies. Now, for the first time ever, you can support You Hate Movies and get more arguing in one glorious fell swoop. You Hate Movies is on Patreon. Meaning, you can throw five bucks a month at You Hate Movies, and we'll take a relatively spoiler-free tour of what we've been watching and to whom we would recommend or warn against it. Or for ten bucks, you can also get an episode where we'll invite and interact with divisive or unpopular opinions from our mailbag and social media. And for a top-tier $15, you get both of these as well as the executive producer episode. You choose the movie-themed premise for an episode, and we have to include it. If you happen to enjoy You Hate Movies and want it to argue on forever, head over to patreon.com slash youhatemovies and learn more. Or you can just keep listening like the freeloader you are. Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. Love them or hate them, there sure are a lot of Marvel movies. At this point, it's starting to seem like there are just as many Spider-Man movies. Will one more overdo it, or can Tom Holland charm his way through another entry? Throughout this episode, you'll get spoilers for Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man Homecoming, Muppets Most Wanted, and The Simpsons Season 9, Episode 2, The Principal and the Pauper. There's another Marvel movie out, so we have to do an episode on it. Because in these divisive times, the people go to see the Marvel movies, it becomes the campfire around which a divided people must gather Marvel movies. Do you know what I'm saying? Is it really divided ever? No, not amongst, not really amongst people seeing Marvel movies. I just mean the world itself is filled oh, with just in venom and vitriol and disagreement. But then a movie like Avengers Endgame comes out and people go, well, but we all got to go see that and talk about it, you know? Yep. But not everyone appreciates the fact that a Marvel movie comes out and You Hate Movies does an episode on it. In fact, somebody uh, left You Hate Movies a bad review. Their name is, it looks like Pistol Chris, or it might be Pistole Chris. It's like the word pistol, then an E, and then Chris. So Pistol Chris or some such thing. Anyway, Pistol Chris takes issue with the fact that we regularly... Uh, review Marvel movie or discuss Marvel. I don't know if you can call what we do review. <laughs> uh, and in the, his or her review specifically says, um, if you're a fan of screen junkies or just interested in franchise cinema or more apt, if you are a casual movie fan, mm-hmm. this is for you. Would not recommend to serious film fans or those looking for in-depth criticism. Uh, and then he adds the he or she adds, it does lean more toward humor. However, I did not find their style of humor very funny. <laughs> <laughs> this might not be the podcast for you. Pistol. Yeah, you go you go ahead and listen to I don't know what the cri- some boring the criterion, criterion collection like someone talking about frame rate. Have a good time, Pistol Chris. No, no, but hey, hey, this one is going to be good, I think. So maybe this one. Will this turn episode? Oh, this is this is going to turn it around, around about yeah. Spider Man. Yeah. Well, Pistol Chris uh, has a point, you know, because. We uh, don't often do episodes that no one wa- no one will listen to, and when we do, branch out into art house and indie. No one listens. No one listens to those episodes. Or maybe Pistol Chris did. Maybe the if if Pistol Chris had more space to write the review, 
they would have added. But I did love the episode on Swiss Army Man. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in fairness, I mean, uh, part of me hates being part of the herd. But in this regard, got to say, I want to get in line with everybody else and go see a, a Marvel movies. I like seeing them. Yeah. So we're not even going to get in line. We're going to get in advance tickets. That's right. Get our seats. So we're there. <laughs> Stuff's early. popular for a reason. It's not popular because it sucks. <laughs> it's popular because it's good. Well, that's not always true, is it, Matt? Yeah, you hate Star Wars. That's true. I don't hate Star Wars. Yeah, I see. He's I turning seen, around. I still haven't seen Solo yet, though. <laughs> you're not missing a ton, but you're missing a little. <laughs> yeah, well, episode. see. Pistol's favorite episode on <laughs> Star Wars, Han Solo. I, did, I know we did an episode on Solo, but I don't remember what it was yeah. or what we said. Or Solo, for that matter. <laughs> well, but... Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man Far From Home, I do remember because it's fresh in my mind having seen it recently. In fact, we all saw it. Matt's obviously here. Yeah, I'm here. I saw it with Patrick. Patrick saw it. Yep, I saw it with Matt. See how that works? Yep. Um, I wasn't there that evening because... You were sleepy tired after working all day. Yeah. I guess I was that person that I often complain about. But I did go see it the next day by myself. So I... We tried to get our own uh, Mike Jensen to go with us, but he still hadn't seen Homecoming, <laughs> so uh, he didn't want to go. Which is also why he declined an appearance on the podcast, because he wiener. hasn't seen either yeah. Spider-Man movie, so I he didn't think he could That's why, if we had Mike here, Crystal Piss would... Crystal Piss. <laughs> <laughs> Pistol Chris. Crystal Would be more satisfied with our, <laughs> with our output. Hey, but uh, Tab came with me and Matt. And that was the second time in one in the same weekend he had seen it. Yeah, he's a big fan. So he's a big fan. Way to go, Tab. I appreciate that level of commitment. Well, uh, so what do you guys think? It's a small show this evening. Um, Bethany and Tyler are both continuing to travel abroad in the world in vacation and break. But we're committed. We're here trying to make it up to Pistol Chris. I have to really think before I say Yeah, I heard you. Matt, what did you think about Spider-Man Far From Home? Very much enjoyed it. Is this the, like, Twitter review? Yeah. Okay. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. Lots of fun. Wow. Okay. No wonder he doesn't think we do in-depth criticism. You said it was a tweet. Oh, yeah. Sure, sure. (laughs) Patrick, what did you think of Spider-Man Far From Home? I loved it. Lots of fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to uh, tell Mike to go see it And then say, hey, you don't even really need to see Homecoming You should, but right. it's more of a sequel to Endgame Which was really ingenious of the writers to do it this way Because it's a great down-to-earth, small-scale movie Right after the huge-scale movie But it was like a nice palate cleanser It felt right hmm. When I didn't think I would care as much, but I did Yeah, uh, I also liked it a lot Really strong review ultimately a thumbs up fresh ultimately a fresh rating from me sure but i must say and maybe this will act as a springboard to get us into the discussion proper that this was kind of an interesting experience watching a marvel movie post in game yes because then there's a little bit of like i don't know if i'm ready to get back into it like even as much as i love these characters in this world and am a full-on bought-in fan, not even one of those, like, I'm fatigued, I don't even like the, you know, I'd go see three of them in a year if I could. But having had such a satisfying conclusion 
to such a long building arc, there was a little bit of like, you're going to have to really convince me there's a great reason to jump right back into the the world having just felt like we could all walk out and cry and hug and it, it could have been done, you know? Sure. What I mean? um, so that was kind of surreal. In fact, uh, I would not use the word fatigued whatsoever. That's too strong a word. But there was a little tiny dwindle of anticipation or excitement over the material that I'm sure has to do with the fact that uh, there is no longer any palpable anticipatory anything. You know right. I mean? There was so much closure in Endgame. Yeah. You didn't feel like looking forward anymore which all the movies up to this point have been telling us look forward look forward look forward this is the first time they didn't really do that yeah exactly that's a good way of putting it there it from iron man on we were always moving in a direction in like a uh mostly observable direction in the sense that you're like okay we're moving toward these big connective movies but even then that you were constantly getting these new pieces that were like oh how's this piece gonna fit yeah, and this feels like a, a little bit like starting from scratch, even though there's still a uh, several familiar familiar characters in it. And Tom Holland's as Spider Man is always a delight. Uh Spider Man the character is effortlessly likable to most humans. I'm one of them. And then on top of that, the first act of the movie dragged a little bit to me. And I realize drag is a strong word, but it was not as exciting as it's, it was really strange to me that the third act of the movie was fantastic. Like it was really thrilling. The action sequences were really great. It, all the pieces came together in a really satisfying way. Um, I, I was totally invested in everything going on. I even bought into the teen romance bit and liked it, which is really rare. Yeah. Uh, but the first bit, the kind of wandering around Europe bit, I was a little bit like, huh, maybe this one won't be so good. So and like up until they fought the lava monster? Yeah, or I guess maybe up up until I was not that enthused at all up until the lava monster. And then by the time around that sequence and the Mysterio reveal, yeah. I was a little bit more like, okay, it's getting, it's getting more interesting. But by the time that... Uh, Peter had been kind of hit rock bottom and it started doing the whole traditional, you know, uh, I don't want to be Spider-Man hero, yeah, <laughs> thing. Then I was just like, all right, let's go get him. And it was really satisfying to see his, his arc at that point. I think that, you know, here's the, oh, I'm so, I'm so cool. I know about stuff, but, uh, it was unclear to me if the movie really expected you to not know that Mysterio was a bad guy the whole time. But obviously if you have even low level familiarity with the character, right. You know, right away is the bad guy. Yeah. And seen a cartoon or played a video game. Yeah. And you know what he does. Right. So I'm like when even the opening shots of the movie are Nick Fury and, uh, Hill going into some, you know, destroyed town and Mysterio's there fighting this monster. And already then I'm like, Oh, okay, so he's creating that allude. That's that's all he ever does in the comics. Right, right. Like, oh, great, here comes a fishbowl guy. He creates an illusion. He tricks everyone. So that part, to when the movie played it like surprise, I was like, oh, but yeah, I kind of 
I felt like that too because I just assumed he was going to flip on them because they hadn't really showed us any other bad guys, I guess, besides the big elemental things. Right. Uh, but I think that they were trying to do the the old sneakeroo on us because they kind of did that with the scrolls. Yeah, you think they were thinking like, yeah, but we tricked everyone and made the scrolls the good guys, so they don't right. know what to think. And then he's, they started doing the whole thing with the multiverse right after we saw an animated Spider-Man about a multiverse. So we started, th- you start thinking, yeah, are they tying it all into that somehow? Even is though, Tom Hardy going to show up in this thing? Even though what's funny is I think. Quentin Blake gets the Earth number wrong, and he calls the Earth that he's on, so the Marvel Cinematic Universe Earth 616, which is the comic book one, because the MCU is like 1999 or something, according to the multiverse numbers, so I thought that was, I think that's what happened, is he's like, this is Earth 616, and I was like, no man, that's the comic book one, you got your own multiverse theory wrong. Right, but but he was making it all up. I know he was, but it was nice that that number was in there. I like the way that they did the twist with Mysterio, but it's not just like, oh, and he's a bad guy, like some regular bad guy, but it's a callback to everything that had gone before with like, oh yeah, you know, like there's some stuff about Iron Man that was kind of funky. Ralphie, was, Ralphie from A Christmas Story was yeah, he was one, there. Of, one of his henchmen. Yeah. You know, and like the, the barf callback stuff and I thought that was good. <laughs> yeah. I actually... To your point about like, oh, every movie's been pointing us forward. I think I in- enjoyed Spider-Man a little more because I wasn't hanging my hopes for the completion of this huge arc on it. Like every movie that yeah. happened, you know, pretty much from like Ultron all the way through Endgame, I was like, oh, this one has to be good because it's leading to this big thing. And this one has to be good because it's leading to this bi- big thing which is why there were some that were so disappointing, like Captain Marvel. So I was like, oh, I don't care. You clearly just made this just to introduce this character so she can come do something cool at the end with, right, new, with we're, new hair. we're thinking forward all the exactly. time. Exactly, always thinking forward. So now I'm going into the theater and I'm like able to just enjoy the movie for itself. Yes, it is connected to the events previous and is also presumably setting things up for the future. But I have no idea what those things are. It kind of felt to me like Iron Man. Like the first time I went in, saw a Marvel movie and went, oh man, this is a thing. This is a really awesome thing about a character that I really enjoy, done really well, and it's cool. And then at the end, oh yeah, maybe some more cool stuff's going to come in the future, but I don't know what that is. Didn't it seem a little bit like, you know, it was so charming about... uh Homecoming was the super low stakes for a Marvel movie, which is yeah. almost unheard of. No, yeah. no universe-ending event. It's just like one dude, and he, you know, they really stuck to the whole friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And that twist was f- super effective. That was great. Massive that was a great twist for uh, yeah. Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yeah, this one felt like it was trying to sit in a world that was somewhat low stakes, but it just the stakes got high even though at that point i was invested in the movie the stakes get really high really fast to the point where it's like oh europe's gonna be totally destroyed by these monsters and they're having to constantly answer the question of like well we don't know where the avengers are is this an avengers level threat yeah you know and that's what quentin blake was trying to create and what was he gonna do when they showed up run away well i think he reassess i think he knew that they couldn't show up he's just making a check got a check Yes. Think of everything. Thought of a it, lot of stuff. Because if he's in with 
who we and he assumed to be Nick Fury, he would have access to the location of the Avengers. You know, Nick at one point's like, oh, Thor's off world, yada, yada, yada. Oh, especially after you know, he got the glasses. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and yeah once that, he had that makes Edith, sense. Yeah. Once he had Edith, he would know exactly what was going on. So he could be like, oh, cool. I just need to deal with Spider-Man. Yeah. I thought it was uh, the MJ character who is really uh, a glorified, you know, extra in the original movie. She has lines and she gets a few jokes in, but she's, you know, they they try to do this little reveal at the end. We're like, oh, yeah. that's the new MJ. And you're like, I guess. I mean, she was barely in the movie, so right. why do we care? Um, I really liked her in this movie. I, I thought, thought she that, was great. That it seems like if you were to describe it to someone, it's like, oh, she's this quirky girl who's kind of dark. Since you hear me, you'd be like, that sounds so lame. She was really charming, and the her, the chemistry she had with yeah, uh, those two Tom actors Hong. were really good together. They were so it, effective. They, they seemed really so were, convincing yeah. to me. The way that they interacted and were kind of like, I like the whole like low stakes teen romance aspect of it as well. That's like they're not trying to declare their love for one another or get married or right. you know like that. He just. Really wants to get to the point where he can say, "I like hey, you." Yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. And it it's keeps getting giant nice thing. Yeah, yeah, that was fun and funny, and yep. the the way that they resolved that by having them like on this destroyed highway or bridge at the end, and he's all beat up, and he's like, "So I like you." <laughs> so I like you too, and then they they walk in opposite directions awkwardly. Yep. and happy. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. I like that too. How did you feel about the whole... We were talking to uh, Bethany Allen earlier today via the miracle of text messaging. And she had just seen it and said that uh, one of the highlights for her, immediately without anybody asking her, she yeah, said the she, highlight she was that Tony Stark was referenced <laughs> and she loves him so deeply. How did you feel about like his death being like a banner over the movie? It was a huge aspect of the whole thing right i was honestly fine with it because at first i was like oh it's kind of weird but it felt right because it would make sense that peter parker would be dealing with this because it was like his father figure that saved right. his life a couple times and gave him a suit and everything and then the whole premise that like peter was being set up to because the whole thing like who's going to be the next iron man and then you're like oh tony wants him to be the next iron man is giving him all this gear to do it it made a lot of sense. I, I didn't. I would not have ever pictured that if somebody said Spider Man's going to be the next Iron Man. I think that was lame, but it made sense in the story to me. Yeah, totally. And with, I mean, even with the like, he looks the most like Iron Man because he's still wearing that suit, you know, that was made right. like Stark Industries. Which goes Industry back to why didn't he suit. make a suit for everybody? <laughs> I know. Why didn't he make a suit for everybody? It I was cute know. that they found a way to not have him in that invincible suit. Yeah, and that suit was lame. The new suit was cool. The one he designed on the plane? Yeah. Yeah, that was rad. That was a really nice, like, rounding out of his arc, I thought, was that, that like, oh, yeah, he he's not the new Iron Man, but he is becoming, like, self-sufficient. Yeah, when he was making the suit like Tony did in the first Iron exactly. Man movie, it felt like it was still finishing up Tony's story, his arc, you know? For like, sure. Oh, here's how it started, and here's how the, the legs right. continue. Because the bad technology is still being used, but he's going to use the technology for good. And Yeah. Yeah, it was really connected to the first Iron Man in that way. Because the first Iron Man was about Tony coming to terms, with, and really the second one as well, with the abuse of his technology, some of which he's 
uh, complicit or just flat out guilty. Yeah. Um, and well, and even in the end of the first Iron Man, when Tony chooses to reveal himself, and then at the end of this one where that choice is taken away from Peter, yeah. there is that like, oh, yeah, I'm going to step into this role fully, and then at the end, it won't be a secret anymore who I am. What did you guys think about the weirdness of seeing Jonah J- Jameson? Yeah. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons reprising his role, which was the theater that I was in. It was a small audience because it was super late, but they cheered. And part of me was like, oh, how about that? And then it uh, it felt immediately jarring. Like, so wait. I know that there's no suggestion whatsoever. Like, of course, nerds are immediately like, they're trying to say it's the same universe or well, in this of universe. Of course they're not. It's like, no, it's not. It's just fun because they're like, yeah. who else where are we going to get so to do it? He's just got to be on the set for 10 minutes. Let's right. just get the guy. It'll yeah. be funny. Um, but it was weird because it was like, oh, I know about how it happened because, you know, there's this new Lion King movie coming out and they're like, who should be Mufasa? Get the same guy who did it the first time directed by John Favreau. John Favreau is on the set and says, you know what you should do <laughs> is get the <laughs> same get guy the same to come guy. back. But it, it feels like that confusing because one of the things I have been saying about this Lion King movie all along is like, obviously the, we can put ourselves in the shoes of the filmmakers and say, they must have just been standing around being like, who in the world is going to replace James Earl Jones as the voice of Mufasa? And they say, you know what? For, screw it. Call no one is. And see it. But then it becomes like, well, why only cast the same one character the same call up jeremy where's where's jonathan taylor thomas man young simba bring him (laughs) back well you know he ain't doing nothing jeremy irons voice scar is arguably as iconic as mufasa's voice james earl jones but they didn't recast jeremy irons yeah i don't know obviously they don't have to do it any one way but it just becomes this distracting thing where you're like so one guy's the same but nobody else and that's how this kind of felt for a second, which and or it just belittles the original cast of Lion King. We don't care about you. <laughs> right. <laughs> just the one. Just Sorry, Whoopi. Sorry, Whoopi Goldberg. You don't need to be this hyena again. Yeah, I mean, it was it was weird, but then also, I was I just watched that and I was like, yeah, it would have been. I feel like it would have been more weird if it was someone else. Well, we expect it to be someone else, don't we? I gen- I just genuinely give him the Hitler did it. mustache and I was like, no, man, that's. J. John Jameson. I don't care. What's his J- name? Jibbity Jib. J. 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 Jonah J. Jameson. Is that his name? James Jonah Jameson. James Jonah. It's not Jonah James Jameson. I don't know. Jimmy J. Jimmy Jones. Triple J. All right. Yeah. I just. I couldn't imagine anyone else in my mind who that should be. And now he's like a uh, Infowars yeah, type he's of like personality. That. that part made sense. Yeah. That fits. And that apparently that kind of programming just gets put up on the big screens in Manhattan. It does when it's breaking news, man. Spider-Man's like, evil. But this guy? Or I guess I guess he's the only one with the sword. He's got the story, yeah. Right. Because at this point in the MCU, Peter was the only masked hero, right? He's the only one who the identity wasn't just known by everybody. Um, I don't know. Is that true? Is it public knowledge who the Black Panther is? Does everyone know that it's T'Challa, or is that that's a good? Is question. it a state? Is it considered a state secret of Wakanda? Yeah, or is Wakanda because they're all integrated into Wakanda's the world out now. now? Yeah, are they just like yeah, we can't tell anybody, or is that I don't know, I don't know if the Black Panther still he's pretty masked. loose with the information in Civil War. Also, doesn't it's true Falcon <laughs> wear? Yeah, they get or he some gets kind arrested. Of 
mask. Oh, he's got red goggles. Red yeah, he's got like goggles. essentially a domino mask, which according to comic books is all you need <laughs> to sure. for no one to know sure. who you are. Yeah. And know. then I'm trying to think. I mean, Rocket's a raccoon, so no one's going <laughs> to mistake him for Well, before else. he got unmasked, which was a funny reference to, well, a striking. It was a, it was a cool way to end the movie with uh, something of a cliffhanger. It was a cool, like Matt said, call back to the original Iron Man or kind of uh, reverse reversal of it. Mm-hmm. But it was also funny that they found a way to have it end with the same line with the, because, you know, the final shot in homecoming is may walking in on peter and going what the f-? and then it cuts off right yeah they found a way to do the same thing and then cut to a loud uh dated rock song which was yeah. ramones in the first movie and this one it was the freaking vacation which was great because uh, they were on a school trip right yeah it managed to kind of the first movie really leaned into the whole quasi john hughes like it's a kind of a Ferris Bueller style sure. yeah, movie. It did feel like with that. some direct references to those some of those films. But this movie uh veered off and became more marvelly. The interesting thing about Homecoming is that th- it's very much set in the you know the MCU and Tony Stark shows up several times. Uh but it kind of feels uh refreshingly different tonally. It's different. I think a lot of it has to do with like most of the other movies are pretty adult in their cast and setting. Yeah. And that movie follows around teenagers. This movie follows around teenagers for most of the runtime, but still manages to feel way more marvelly. I think because you get lots of sequences of villains doing exposition about tech. And you sure do. <laughs> that one. And God bless him because Jake Gyllenhaal is great. and He was great in this movie. And he did it in a way that didn't make it laughable. But I was just short of laughing when he's like, okay, so listen, we're at the point in the movie where there's been a reveal. We don't have time to go back and explain everything. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to explain it all to characters who already yeah, know it. Yeah, that wasn't So that great. the audience can know. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like. And we'll show you flashbacks of you getting screamed at. You might have Man seen one. him as. <laughs> yeah. He's telling the characters what they've done. He's yeah. like, and Tina, you designed this. And we're like, okay, yeah. great. This is really Tina, helpful. Thank Tina you. knows that. Yeah. Tina's Tina's got calluses on her fingers from sewing your purple cape. She knows what she's done. But he's done a great job. Those sequences of uh, Mysterio's illusion world where he bombarded and overwhelmed Peter the first time, but not the second time. Yeah. Those are great little nightmare sequences. Oh, it's so great. That was Matt and I were saying, it was like so comic booky in a great way. Yeah, it felt like looking at like the pages of a comic book, even how quickly it shifted from one to the other. There was no like transition. It was just like, now there's a bunch of glass. Now you're in a locker room. Now you're on a corridor. Now there's 500 other Spider-Mans and they're dogpiling you. I was like, that's awesome. That's what I want to see when it's like, hey, this guy's going to make you think you're crazy. Okay. Yeah, it became a little unclear how Mysterio's tech worked because in the... Uh, big audit, like a training room where they were working on it. Seemed to suggest that it was essentially like movie visual effects. He's wearing yeah. a mocap suit. They're rendering a visual, but then he can kind of freestyle nightmares of Peter Parker in real time. Well, he has that like wrist thing <laughs> on, <laughs> yeah. kind of like you know how Captain Marvel can change the colors of her suit. Yeah, she's like a powerful alien thing. She ain't. Right? She's a people person. 
He just but she's he, got alien stuff. She's got the say, Tesseract in her shirt. Yeah, and this MCU is just technology. It's like, oh, Tony's uh, suit is in his skin now. Sure. Yeah. We don't, we like, don't think hey, anything of it. Vi- vibranium's a metal that also means that you can fly upside down whenever you want. Yeah. You can pull a bullet yeah, out of his spine for some yeah. reason because there's vibranium. That's because yeah. we it's got fine. a metal. We yeah. got a metal. Yeah. So here's these trains. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> here's these trains. Here's this bad CG. Somehow we got oh. a metal. That's how we built a hologram around our whole city. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It came country. from. It, don't worry about it. It came from space. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the one thing I was thinking, I'm about to do a Tyler bit in his honor. Okay, you what, are you going to tell us the whole movie or something? No, not that one. Not okay. that I think you're going to like Isn't this just? So I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, they're going on a tour of Europe uh, with this ragtag group of misfits. Comical shenanigans ensue. There is a someone that comes along posing as someone friendly to uh, befriend and lead the character, but that they're really a villain in disguise and secretly behind the scenes while they're cooperating with the good guys they're plotting with the bad guys to lead this um hostile uh or heist type thing behind this and i was thinking isn't this just muppets most wanted (laughs) (laughs) i was desperately trying to figure out where you were going with that and i in a million years i never would have guessed muppets most wanted it was totally muppets most wanted (laughs) Tell me it wasn't. Yeah, all right. That's pretty fair. Mysterio was just Constantine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Kermit. <laughs> 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 well, right now, that spoiler from the Pittsburgh yeah. People might Con- not see that Constantine <laughs> twist. <laughs> Constantine is not really Kermit. Yeah. Right. You can tell because of the mole on his lip. Oh, man. Yeah, all right. That's fair. It is. Okay, so it's Muppets Most Wanted, but with more holograms. Got it. Less puppets. Yeah, I think the technology made sense to me because the big the big things they were like pre-planning. It felt to me like they had some kind of he had really solid control over the drones through that thing that he was wearing on his wrist, which to me I think might have been based on crawl, scroll technology, which isn't completely if Captain Marvel happened 20 years ago and then Shield knew about it and Tony's been working with Shield. It's not out of the realm of possibility that some Stark slash scroll technology could have crossed over, so they could have had access to it. Well, then let's talk about that weird stinger. Then blows up with that, with the Nick Fury one. The one yeah. where it was Ta- Talos uh, and what's her name? Yeah, I oh, felt yeah, a little yeah. bit like. I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate the stinger, and part of it was interesting, but it was a little bit like. The whole principal Skinner has been Armin Tanzarian the whole time. Because I was like, so that whole movie, Nick Fury was a scroll. That was a little bit of a weird, like, I don't know, man. I think I read something with the director. He was like, we had to have that happen because otherwise there's no way Nick Fury would have fallen for Mysterio's bullcrap. Do you think that's, that, that's what the director said? The director said he's like, Nick Fury's superpower is essentially su- suspicion. <laughs> he's like so he is super poweredly suspicious and would not have fallen yeah, for the fact they even that called Quentin him out Beck on it. he's like I had my doubts and he yeah. like, no he was totally fooled uh huh yeah so it makes sense and I mean if if anything is moving us forward into a specific direction my guess would be Nick Fury being in space is gonna be to do with the establish establishing of sword instead of you know the spatial counterpart to shield 
for those yeah. who may not be up on their Marvel so while sure. cosmic but, instead of yeah Earth. exactly while now it's more cosmic. while Nick Fury is up in the scroll ship he entrusted this dude from the scroll from Captain Marvel he's just like just be me and obviously they're not like talking in real time because he's giving him a phone call that we're led to believe they haven't spoke during this entire thing right yeah because he was like it went off the rails for a minute there yeah yeah so he's just like yeah, you know, even if the world's like completely under th- I think that uh what's the scroll's name? Ta- Ta- Talos. Talos. Tay Tay. Tasmo. Tasmo Taz. Yeah, Taz. <laughs> he really Ta- wanted to Razzle-ma-taz. prove himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These these guys, these two wanted to pull wanted to prove themselves so they're right. like we're going to we're going to finish this like we're supposed to instead of like don't call Nick, he'll get mad. What? And then they there was that weird conversation between the two of them where I think it was Hill just made this throwaway line about, oh, we know about the Kree sleeper cells. And I'm like, what? So there's two scrolls pretending to be the two heads of S.H.I.E.L.D. who are I aware, remember them saying that. Do you remember aware that? of the fact that there are somehow on Earth Kree sleeper cells, which to me, again, I'm like, oh, so it's maybe face four right we're going into phase four now yeah. phase four is going to be significantly more cosmic which again makes sense for nick to be setting up like the space warning ordination radio system i can't remember what it's called what sword Something. stands for yeah whatever let me ask don't you get this. hung up on it it was great yeah <laughs> in homecoming great? did he ever run out of webs i don't think he did this time remember. I don't remember because they didn't it, work against the lava monster. Yeah, that that was fine. But at one point in the last chunk of the movie, he was like, "Oh, out of webs." Remember? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "You just designed that suit. You didn't. You like, couldn't have infinite up? webs." Yeah, but didn't he use like a butt ton when he was catching? Right, all he was those catching drones. all those droids, the remember taser that? web, and then he was making that net so that he, he webbed. Could, yeah, he webbed all the drones right. together. Yeah, dro- like drones, not droids. It just—I said drones. No, no I, like I said droids. Oh. I feel like I feel like he could have armored up more. He didn't have the belt, right? The belt has. Oh yeah, with the right. extra clips in. That's true. He could have done hey, that. Man, he, well, he made it first, on the way it's, there. Yeah, it's his first time out. Who knows how much of that specific, those specific compounds, Happy had packed in the Stark jet. I like when Happy threw the shield. Yeah, that was real funny. <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Was, I liked Happy. I was just so glad he you was see in the it. kids representing the Avengers at the point when yeah. they were in that little thing. Uh-huh. Girl picked up a hammer and somebody had a bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. I didn't notice that until you just said it. Happy yeah, had Sh- Happy had the shield and then was really bad at it. It was funny that they had the MJ character. Uh, I was actually surprised by that bit where Peter's tr- trying to finally confess his affection for her, and she's like, "You're." He's like, "I got to tell you something." She's like, "You're Spider Man." That and was then great. she's saying what the viewer complaint is. Like, it's so obvious you're never around when he's around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Washington, because he's even referenced that to Nick, like, not 10 minutes ago. Yeah, where I he's can't like, do that. I can't do that. Then they'll definitely know I'm Spider-Man because of Washington. And she's like, well, I already know. Then I went back and watched the trailer after seeing the movie, and that scene is in the trailer. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. They God, have. get your crap together, Disney. That's like a, there's a, a I want to watch the trailers, too. There's so many things in the trailers that weren't in the movies at all. Oh, yeah. really? There's, it seems like there's a whole action sequence yeah. where that must take place, like, in the early moments of the movie where he's still in the iron spider suit 
and he is like webbing up a bunch of bad guys and razzing the police. Yeah. That like a full on developed and he's in the CG suit and everything. Yeah. Oh, that's a they shame. They seem cool. Maybe it'll be in the three minutes of extras that Marvel gives us on a Blu-ray. Yeah, they're super stingy with it. Yeah, they are. Give us more stuff, Marvel. Maybe give us more stuff. (laughs) You haven't done done 23 movies. I need more of the movies that you have given us. Let's go on uh, Marvel's uh, iTunes page, uh, Disney's iTunes page, and leave them a bad review as Pistol Chris. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, that'll show. Probably already done it. That'll show. What the heck did you think of Spider-Man Far From Home? Were you also picking up very strong Muppets Most Wanted vibes, or did that connection pass right by? Are you Spider-Man fatigued at this point, or has Spider-Man fatigue so long come and gone that you don't even know what the heck we're talking about anymore? Please, by all means, leave a comment on this episode at youhatemovies.com, where our gracious host will enter into argument with you directly. And hey, listen, while you're at it, if you've yet to leave a glowing review for You Hate Movies on iTunes, now is the time to do exactly that thing. And if you really want to help us out, you can also go and follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at You Hate Movies. Seems like trivial stuff, but it actually goes a long way in keeping the podcast going. Thanks.